The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. You're here with Veda and Jim, and Ken is out for this Saturday, so Jim and I will get some uh, talking time today. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> or, or either it's going to be dead air, one or the other. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. We'll get people to call in, and, and it's easy to do. The number's uh, 901-260-5926. Give us a call and uh, ask your questions, and also you can... Uh, Text us on the Facebook page and ask us a question there. Um, yeah, so I'm sure y'all have got to have a lot of questions this week, as in every week. And so give us a call. Like we say, there's no silly question. You can sometimes get silly answers back. Yeah, but. quite often here. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, it's it's better you ask the question than, you know, have to f- ask next week how to fix what you did wrong. Right, yeah. So yeah. listen to... and. You know, we know because of all the mistakes we've met, it made. And just think about this, too. Because of our uh, type of industry we've been in, we're always, always getting questions and also learning so much from other people. You know, Mm -hmm. other people that come in with their issues or are just talking. And so it's like we get triple education on what's going on out there in people's yards. And... um, it's it's really fun. Yesterday we were working on a water garden, and um, I just went out to take some of the crew out, check it out and everything. And, of course, I had to get involved. And um, he had English ivy growing over the side. So I'm over there leaning over the waterfall, pruning it off. And he said, do you want me to move those lights? I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I go, those sure are pretty lights. And he's like, yeah, and we're standing there talking, and I'm just pruning. And you didn't. I did. I just cut that wire right in front of him. (laughs) That explains why your hair is like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so it's nothing worse than being out and and just totally messing something up in front of the client. But, uh, of course, we were able to wire it back together. And then I had to say, yeah, well, you stood right there and asked me to move them. And I said, no. And he goes, yeah, you even called me on how beautiful you were and then both then you looked right at me and cut it (laughs) (laughs) oh so um all kinds of things go on in the gardening so don't worry about it um you know i was listening actually i was listening to our show from last week on the way in were you yeah yeah got a lot of good education i noticed the first 15 minutes we don't have much to say it's real quiet and then when we come back on it's like i'm going good morning gardeners and everybody's talking but the first 15 minutes, I'm like, good morning, <laughs> good morning, <laughs> you're listening. So, we're going to talk about some of the things that came up on our Facebook group this week. Uh, we've had uh, things like azalea leaf gall and, and things that are occurring right now, fungus mm-hmm. in the grass, and we'll address some of those. Um, but in, in, in the meantime, you're, please give us a call, 901 Uh Two six zero five nine two six. Right, yeah. Give us a call, and you know it's for it's like the end of May, and a lot of times in the garden industry, it's by Labor Day. I mean Memorial Day. We're kind of like ah, oh, the big push is over. Yeah. It's getting warmer, and all of that. But actually, I'm starting to finally get some good inventory in, and spring's about over. Yeah. So uh, we're hoping that maybe June will be a May. I'm hoping it will cool down some after this one little hot, yeah. hot spell here. 
Yeah, look at this, because last week we were dreading if it got into the 90s, which I was thinking was a month away, and now it looks like we may hit 90 today. Yeah, probably. But no humidity, and that's the thing. You know, not as much as it's going to be in the summer. So it's really all good. Let's not worry about the weather. It'll be a great day to work outside. Absolutely. Yeah. What did you do in your yard this week? This week, uh, planted a few things. Um what else did I do? Mostly just planted a few things. I'm getting lots Ooh. of stuff in right now. Yeah. Uh, I've got, gosh, I don't know, eight or ten varieties of bulbs I've got to put in. Mm, bulbs. Uh, yeah, Name some, some of those. Well, I'm doing some some of the unusual things like mm-hmm. Aramis, uh, a yeah. foxtail lily, because um, I created a bed that drains a almost as quick as you put water on it mm. uh, so that I can grow some things that are... Uh, a little more difficult to grow in our clay soil. Oh, and I'm growing fun. some, um, I'm trying three varieties of what's called uh, stream orchids. Uh, they're native mm-hmm. to the northwest. They grow, I mean, they're very cold hardy, you know, it's like zone two, but they have to stay basically in boggy or wet soil all the time. So I have created a planter that sits inside one of my water gardens mm-hmm. uh, so that they're constantly getting wick fed moisture. And uh, and they're growing really well right now, so hopefully right. they'll hold up to our heat. We're going to see. So when when people go into our other folks' yard and they're just amazed on how beautiful it is, look at the detail some of them get into. Mm-hmm. You're building a whole micro environment for something that's a little bit difficult to grow here, right. but when you're creating its micro environment and attending to it, you're able to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of times plants that don't grow here grow here because we're creating something special just for them. You know, for years I've told people that lupines are difficult to grow here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just you know, a month and a half ago, somebody had a, that lives here locally had mm-hmm. a beautiful one in full bloom, a wow. yellow one. And I thought, you know, I got to try that. So yeah. I've created a bed that will hopefully be mm-hmm. conducive to grow those. It drains well. Um, so we'll see. Boy, if y'all look up lupine and see how beautiful it is, you're going to want to start doing your own microenvironment too. I love those. And, and, you know, it's always, I love what you, or people love what they can't have. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I want that lupine so badly, but the red hot poker, it does great here. Yeah. Yeah. I've got that, you know, but I'm planting palms also and I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm planting bamboos and. And but I'm also planting things that you know grow in cooler areas. So, yeah, you know, you know it's an I, experiment. Okay, back to the, let's go to the bamboo again because a lot of people want to do bamboo, but we're scared of it. And mm-hmm. there's an area that I want to plant bamboo in for a um, landscape on Arbor Town, which I sure don't want bamboo to get loose there. The whole island would be mm-hmm. <laughs> be the bamboo. And so should I, should I not, am I going to put it in a container? I haven't studied it in depth now, so that's why I ask Well, it depends, you know, (laughs) uh, there are some really good clumping bamboos that are very slow to spread. Uh, They don't pop up five feet away. I mean, they just, like on ornamental grass, they get a little bigger each year. So they're not difficult to go in there and and split and, and take part of them out if they're over getting too big for the area. Um, I just planted one, uh, uh, Golden Goddess, which mm-hmm. is a really good one. It's going to max out 10 to 12 feet tall. Yeah. Uh, but there's some like uh, Alphonse Carr that gets 50 feet tall. Whose car? Alphonse Carr, K-A-R-R. Uh, nice. And it's it's a beautiful, and it has, uh, it has yellow stems, but it has some green stripes in the mm. stem, so it makes it look variegated. 
Uh, and it, it's really unusual. Yeah. But it gets really, really tall. That's probably a, a special order thing. Uh, well, Maybe. actually, I have had some in the past from, got some from Monrovia years ago. Mm. Uh, but I, I don't know if they're still growing it or not. But uh, there are some, um, there are some good bamboo sources. Um, the one that I got, I got from Tai Tai Nursery down in Tai mm-hmm. Tai, Georgia, because uh, they do some, they specialize in that. They have a whole lot of running bamboos yeah. uh, that are hardy here, but you know, there aren't that many clumpers that are hardy here. Most of the clumpers are tropical. So, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a hard one to find the right fit, but I really want to do it. It's just going to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, what is a replacement for the bamboo look? There's not a run. What? You know. Yeah, and it's just like I have to have it because I also like the sound and the looseness of it and the height of it. Yeah. So uh, bamboo, well, we're going to take a break come. here in just a moment, and we'll be back. You're listening to Mitch Alcarding here on the Mighty 990. The Mighty 990, 107.9 FM, 990 AM, KWAM. Good morning. Welcome back. You're listening to the Mighty 990, FM 107.9 and AM 990. You can stream us online anytime at kwamradio.com. Give us a call, 260-5926. They're getting it on that bass, Jim. They are. Yeah, I know. It sounds pretty good. Um, You know, we talk about planting combinations, things like, Um, If you plant this plant next to that plant, does it make anything happen better? And then we're like, no, that's a myth. Maybe that doesn't work. Maybe it helps. I was looking into that and it was more like, like the calendula, its nectar attracts beneficials that actually, um, that actually take care of the bad insects that are on the broccoli and the cauliflower and collard greens. They're supposed to plant calendula with those. Um, Spinach, I forgot there was another combination of plants. And one was because the plant tastes better to that insect, it will attack that plant instead of your vegetable garden. So that was another way to look at it on how doing combination plantings work. Have you ever really looked no, into I'm the, that? You no, know, I don't do any vegetables, so I just grow the flowers. Right, just grow the flowers, yeah. and then if a vegetable comes up, that's good. I know it's sad. I remember when my grandparents and everybody was gardening, it didn't seem like it was that hard. Yeah. Where we where they didn't have rows of flowers and then rows of vegetables, but they still didn't use a lot of organic, I mean, a lot of chemicals either. But it was like a whole different time, different mm-hmm. process. The gardens were more out in the country where there was more uh, diversity going on that could take care of the insects and diseases. And if you found a corn earworm when you shucked it, you just pull it out, cut the end off, and you eat it anyway. That's right, exactly. You know, the apple, you just prune that part off and keep eating it. That's right. It's only when you find half a worm that you worry. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So um, sometimes I'm thinking it might have been created for more things to talk about or just more (laughs) reasons. That was a gardener. That was a retailer that thought of that. Mm -hmm. Hey, I know how to sell more flowers. Let me tell everyone, if you plant flowers next to your um, cabbage and kale, (laughs) then you will be worm free. Yeah. You know, you were talking about planting flowers and vegetables. I was reading an article not long ago, um, and the article was kind of misleading because it said, you know, 
there's no bees in they're having a shortage of bees in China, so they're having to hand pollinate their trees. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true, but it was by choice. Um, farmers they they don't haul bees across the country like we do here in the United States. So they have to dedicate about thirty percent of their land to grow crops to feed those bees during the time that there's the crop that they're growing is mm-hmm. is not in bloom. You know, if they're doing fruit trees, they're only in bloom for a short time. So you've got to grow other things to support those bees. But what they found is they make more money by not growing the flowers and hand pollinating the flowers. They get better pollination. Mm-hmm. Bees are good pollinators, but they're not great pollinators. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like strawberries, quite often you get misshapen strawberries, and it's because they're not getting good pollination. And you can prevent that if you're doing it yourself. So, you know, it made it sound like, you know, the world's coming to an end in China because they don't have bees, And but it was, it was actually a choice. T- a choice that they mm-hmm. decided they make more money by growing additional crops on that 30%. Right. And it would be so much more fun and environmental friendly if they did it the other way. But then again, you have to make money off your crops and, you and things. Eat, you, know? you have to eat. Oh, you know, so hand pollinating, is that like shaking the tree? No. Or they are they actually, actually? They climb up in the tree, you know, and, mm. and I guess, you know, all of their relatives. And they, they take a few tips and they go through there and they just hand pollinate each and every flower. Well, not every wow. flower because yeah. they're thinning the crop as they go. You know, because most fruit trees put on way too much mm-hmm. fruit to uh, to support all of that. Yeah. You end up with smaller, inferior fruit. That's amazing. Yeah. That Well, you know, we do have to learn things to to get as much production we can off of small square footage of land <laughs> in some places where mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of places to grow. So if y'all want to do that, if you don't feel like you're getting enough bees in your yard, then just plant some more bee plants. Or hand pollinate. Yeah, but you know, focus as much on on the native bees as you are. You know, everybody thinks about the honeybees, but mm-hmm. you know, the honeybees are not native. They're an invasive species. Mm-hmm. They escaped once they brought them here, and for a long time, they did quite well in the wild. But now that we have the varroa mite, there are very few wild populations of bees that have survived that. Um, so. There are some, you know, local bee owners that have some hives where you get some bees coming in, but there's just not enough food normally in the neighborhoods to support yeah. those bees. Right. You know. Uh, yeah. I, I like, saw a yard the other day that was just full of clover. I mean, uh-huh. the entire yard, you know, solid green grass on both sides, but this yard was full of clover. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it it was beautiful, looked out of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But. You know, there's just not a lot of food for them. But those little bees, the the so, yeah. some of the native ones, those are equally as important. You know, and, right. and they're switching now. You know, particularly in China, they're moving to uh, some of the green flies as pollinators. Mm-hmm. So, and that of now, you know, we're finding out what some of these other insects are good for. Wasps right. and green flies can both be pollinators. Yeah, yeah. Right. There, a client was asking about the angelonia or the summer snapdragon wanted to know if it was a pollinator and I go well actually it is but it's for a uh, more of a native bee than the the other bees that you're seeing so it will be a pollinator but you're really not going to see the bumblebees or the big bees that you're wanting to see and then she goes so for tomatoes you want to see bumblebees you're mm -hmm. you're not wanting to see honeybees 
because yeah. they are they're pollinated by the vibration of the bee, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're better pollinators than honeybees are for for your tomatoes. Boy, sometimes I think as technical and detailed that we can get is too much technical and detailed. Right <laughs> here we are breaking down the whole bee philosophy on how that works. And you may be just wondering, well, can you just tell me how to grow something? Yeah. <laughs> tell you how to grow. Well, hey, grow those summer snapdragons, those angelonias. They're so beautiful. one of so my favorites. I have beautiful. lots of pots of those. Oh, yeah. And colors are vibrant. They bloom all summer. If they're not blooming well, you can just chop them off, fertilize them, and they come right back up. And also, I've learned how you can control the size of your plants that are in your containers. The first one was actually by angelonia. We had some planted in this one container that was off where it didn't get a whole lot of water, but it got adequate water. We had another one that had constant irrigation on it. You can imagine the size difference. Mm -hmm. So the one that had constant irrigation was like five times as big as the one that still looked great, but just moderate um, water. So if you're trying to get something in a container to grow bigger, faster, like elephant ears, I'm going to have to water those a lot. Yes. If I want to get those to to do real good. But if I don't water them a lot, they'll still be fine, but they just won't be as big. I guess that's kind of like in your garden, too. Because people, that's such a hard one because people don't water enough. Or, yeah, or when we're saying things need a lot of water, then their soil's too clay for the amount of water they give Mm -hmm. to it. And then a lot of people misread things like, well, like yesterday, I noticed one of my big hydrangeas was wilted in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. It had been watered thoroughly the day before. It's yeah. just losing more water than it's taking in. Once the sun went down, it popped right back up. Mm-hmm. So tomatoes are the same way. You'll get physiological leaf roll where the, the leaves on the top will curl upwards. And you'll think, oh, it's drying. So then you mm-hmm. put more water on it which then locks up your calcium and you get blossom end rot. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's a, a real fine line between uh, watering too much and not watering enough and knowing when to water. And it's it sounds really complicated. I it? know. After we're talking, when we start yeah. talking about it, sometimes I'm thinking, wow, I think we're making that complicated. It is, but then it's not really Oh, that was a good answer. Yeah. Uh, did that get me out? Mm-hmm. See, it's the soil. That, that's the thing. The soil's the insurance of, of how you prep and prepare the soil. Uh, that helps tremendously on taking some of the guesswork out. I know I had to do a lot of extra work when we used to have mostly the peat moss type oh, of soil, especially yeah. in containers. I tried to show this to the people that water for us. Uh, there was a container, four-inch container, peat moss, grower stuff, because, you know, they're going to grow in a little bit different than what we want to plant in. And I asked them to water the pot, and they watered and watered and watered. And I said, so is it wet? No, yeah, it's soaking. Took it out, broke the root ball up, and still dry in the middle. Right, runs right around it. Right, because it had gotten so dry in the first place. But the one that had the better soil rehydrated quickly. The so, best way to do that is stick your finger down the soil about knuckle deep. Pull your finger back out. If there's soil stuck to it, you don't need to water. If there's no soil stuck to it, you better water. That really is it an works easy way almost to do every it. time. And that's in a container. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a break, and you're listening to the Mid South Gardening Show on K Wham at the Mighty Nine Ninety.
Now, back to Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 and 107.9 FM KWAM. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back. You're listening to the Mighty 990 FM 107.9 AM 990. Stream us online anytime at kwamradio.com. Call us. 260-5926. So, um... I was liking that music. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk about, and we're seeing a lot of it uh, right now, is the azalea leaf gall. Um, there's also a, a very similar um, fungus that causes a camellia leaf gall. It does basically looks the same way. But the, the foliage will be um, enlarged, thickened, sometimes waxy. And then as it matures, it turns gray and then black, and that's the spores forming. Uh, and it really doesn't do anything bad uh, to the plant. It's unsightly, but you do want to try to pick those off and discard them. Otherwise, if they fall to the ground, then if we have another milder winter, it'll come back with a vengeance. Mm. So, and you'll have a lot more to pick off. So it's best just to pick them off and throw them away. And if you want to spray afterwards, you know, a, a fixed metal fungicide like Maneb does real well at preventing them from reoccurring. Um, but right. we are seeing an awful lot of it this year. So kind of all in all, don't be horribly concerned. Right. But just as a really good insurance preventative, if they are falling on the ground, go ahead and remove them. Right. Because if we have a hard, cold winter, then they're not going to reinfect, but mild winters, it will reinfect. Yes. Yeah. We, normally, we, we say we see them after milder winters. And, you know, in this one, other than our deep freeze there for about mm-hmm. a week, it really wasn't that bad of a winter. Yeah. You know, we yeah. really like to see up and down temperatures. That helps reduce the insects and reduce the fungal population. Mm-hmm. We just didn't have a lot of that this year. Would it be the up, you say the up and down temperatures would help reduce it. So is it like the temperatures go up and they kind of come out at dormancy, the insects, and then it freezes and kills them off yes. versus them being in dormancy the whole time and not getting affected right. by it? Right. You mm-hmm. know, you reduce the population. So eventually when you, the weather starts cooperating uh, and the insects can go, you've really significantly reduced the population. Yeah. So by the time they have however many generations to get back up, you're well mm-hmm. into the summer instead of, you know, the first day in April. Right. So. Speaking of uh, generations, okay, we were talking about the cicadas. Yeah, cicada. No, Katie did. Which one is cicadas it? Cicadas or cicadas. I still yeah. want to say locusts. Yeah. I still want to say locusts, and I know it's not. And I was telling y'all a story about how um, the defensive that insects have against their predators and the defense that the uh, lo- the cicadas have against their predators is coming out in mass, right. just a whole lot, because then they overwhelm the predators. The predators, predators can't get rid of them enough because there's so many. Well, I, was, I found that they were discovered in like 1749 or something like that by this... Uh, gentleman i sorry i can't remember his name you know you always want to give credit where credit's due but 1749 okay so he discovered a mass of them coming out and got nervous i was 17 years old actually a farmer's son so he just went to working and working and working trying to kill him kill him kill him kill him you know just stomping on them and burning them and everything he couldn't get rid of them and i said ah so the myth is true <laughs> he worked as hard as he could but that predator could not eliminate them that's right so uh, I thought that was really interesting. But then um, on, I'm going to cheat because I was kind of 
blabbering through the, the, the plantings, combination plantings. But the one was the tomato and basil. The fragrant scent of the basil has been shown to repel tomato hornworms. So then I'm, fo- I'm seeing myself cutting some basil and going up to the tomato plant with the hornworms and waving that basil in front of it. Will that make it fall off? <laughs> no. Okay, how about <laughs> Jim? <laughs> Jim? <laughs> she parties hard on Friday I night. Do. So, on so <laughs> With Saturday all morning. the bugs, all the bugs. <laughs> How about um, allowing your herbs to flower? Okay, this one, maybe you can come up with something for this one. Um, By allowing your herbs to flower, they will attract more pollinators to the melons, which will help them prosper and taste sweeter. So how do more pollinators make something taste sweeter? Or is that not even accurate? Well, um, okay. No, but the... Cantaloupe and that sort of thing would have flowered much, much earlier mm-hmm. than your herbs would have. So I, and I'm yeah. having some, I don't have a clue. If I, that's, yeah. yeah, that that sounds like a garden myth. There. Right, right. So I'm thinking, because this is true. Yeah. They bloom at different times. Okay, potatoes and miracle, mir, marigolds. Marigolds. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The strongest, the strong scent of the marigolds contains substance repels the potato beetle. So if you're in the mood for comfort food, you can't go wrong with these melting potatoes. What melting potatoes? And how many marigolds? I mean, do you have to plant like a solid row? Yeah, see, there's there's not that. And some people plant one thinking yeah. that's done. But wouldn't you think a solid row, a row, you would have to have a lot of it? I would think so. Oh, you and know. here's one that's always been hard on the gardening. To me, is which ones do you plant together or not plant together, like carrots and radishes? This pairing is more about making the most of your garden space than anything else. Because some people say if you put the radishes and carrots together, it helps repel insects. But actually, it's just alleviate or giving you more garden space. Because radishes grow in the upper level of the soil and carrots grow deeper. So it pulls different nutrients from the soil at different soil levels. Yep. I just think I want to go back. Just, Just not knowing and just plant my stuff. Because yeah. I Sometimes still had we, good... We, we overthink it. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a lot of overthinking. We've got David. Good morning. David, thanks for calling. Oh, morning. You know, you might have just sort of answered my question. Uh, you're talking about the radishes and carrots, uh, you know, the upper and lower story, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always had a lot of trouble growing root crops, things like beets and whatnot. And um, I'm just wondering, uh, I know it takes a lot of loose soil, um, I'm more from up towards St. Louis, where the uh, uh, ground tends to be a little more like clay, and uh, so you gotta. Don't you have to add sand or something? Well, um, no. when I did the the beets, when I planted beets and all, I had good luck with root crops, but I did a lot of organic matter into the vegetable garden. And uh, that was really one good way to create the drainage. Sand in our clay doesn't really help loosen much until you get upwards of like 90% sand. Um, oh, man. Yeah. To really grow good root crops here is to do it in elevated beds where you can... Uh, you can Control everything? Yes, you can mm-hmm. fix your soil. You know, if, if you go in <clears throat> this year and really till and loosen, put in lots of organic matter... You can, you can grow a pretty good root crop, but you're going to have to do that every year because Mother Nature doesn't like that. She wants to return to clay. 
So if you grow it in the elevated beds, you have you can control your soil mix. You don't have to worry about clay filling those air spaces back up, and it's easier to do. Yeah, so much easier to do. So yeah, because my my bed was raised. I used uh, timber, and actually I had kind of broke up the bottom of the soil, the ground first. Used timber. I used, first I went and got some bulk material, like a good compost from a mulch yard, good organic compost. And then I mixed like back to nature blend and earthworm castings in the bed also. And I did this every year and I've got really good root crops, except for I never did carrots and I've had a little trouble with the root crop yeah, carrots. Here I never would grow anything but half long carrots. Yeah. The, the long ones, Chantanay and those just never produced well for me. But you know, when I was actually doing more vegetable garden instead of flowers, um, raised beds were just not something mm-hmm. that people did very often. You know, you tilled it, you put a little something in it, you planted it, and you redid it again next year. So, um, Well, I've seen, yeah, people with a lot of success with those raised beds. Mm-hmm. I, I was amazed, you know, how yeah. quickly they got, you know, crop in and, and were eaten. Agreed. Same, same. I was amazed. Yeah, we'll give all that a try and see. Just good compost. Um, Not like going to a box store and getting, you know, $7 bag of compost. You know, go and get, well, I don't know, $7 bag might not be so good. It may not, but, you know, most of the mulch yards will have a, uh, either a leaf compost or um, another compost blend, cotton burr, that that you can Mm -hmm. buy in bulk. Yeah. And that's the best way to do it if you're doing the elevated bids. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, that explains it. Once you were saying the ninety percent mix. Yeah. Yeah, that would explain it because it was just amazing. And then, of course, you know, if you're in southern Missouri, it's all just rocky anyway. Right. So it's uh, between the clay and the rocks. It's uh, wow. Workout. That is. I have not ever had to. Work where all your soil is rock. Yeah, but the upside is you pop a rock out of the ground, your hole's dug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good, that's an upside there. Well, great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, just a side comment. I'm not up in St. Louis anymore. I'm out in California, and our drought is, they're saying we're really only at about 28% of our rainfall for the year. So it's pretty certain that we're going to have high food prices this year because the California Central Valley is not going to be producing as much as it should. And, uh, yeah, so urge all the listeners to get in a garden this year. All right. Well, thanks Mm -hmm. for that information, and thanks for calling us from California. Take care, my friend. Yeah. um, Yeah, so everybody's going to run out and start gardening now. (laughs) <laughs> but now it's almost too late to get things started. Yeah, we're approaching heat now, so unless you want to grow cow peas, that's uh, cow you know, peas. about it. Crowder yeah. peas, it's time to put them in the ground. All right, yeah. so we got to go to a break. Call us 260-5926. The Mid-South's conservative blowtorch, the Mighty 990 KWAM. And welcome back to Mid-South Yard. Right here on KWAM 990, 107.9 FM. Give us a call, 260-5926. That's 260-5926. We had a caller, uh, left a message. for Alan puts it up on the board for us. So she was, okay, Ellie, thanks for thanks for calling. She has foliage on hydrangeas and foliage on hedge bushes that look awful. 
maybe like a worm and she wants to know what we can do for them. That's kind of a broad question, but yeah, we can I mean, narrow it down. If there's maybe. tissue missing, then yes, it's some sort of caterpillary kind of thing, probably. Um, of course, you know, without knowing which kind of shrub it is, mm-hmm. we just kind of have to give you kind of a generic um, cure-all. But um, if you, you know, my first choice would be probably spinosad. It's uh, an organic, very safe and very effective. Um, you want to spray it late in the evening, so if it, that way it dries, and by morning your pollinators are safe. You don't have to worry about it hurting those. Um, there are some stronger things that will give you longer-lasting control, but and that would be my mm-hmm. choice if I were going to try to take care of it in a large area. Yeah. And that that kind of cover the spinosin kind of covers a number of insects, possibly. Right. So, and then uh, maybe she meant that the hydrangea is in a hedge form and the foliage look bad, or the hedges have issues. And that one, we would definitely have to know what variety of, yeah. of hedge uh, it is. But on the hydrangea, you know, we're seeing a little bit of leaf spot already on hydrangeas. So that's, already? you know, all, you know <laughs> just, it happens. Yeah. You know, again, with those, it's more cultural. You want to try not to overhead water. Mm-hmm. Um, but some years we just, they have a lot of trouble with it. So Yeah. Oh, they're so beautiful, the hydrangeas. They're, they're coming out. They're heavily budded this year. Yeah, yeah. The ones, really nice. These are the ones that we had gotten at fall, and I kept in the warehouse through the winter. Mm-hmm. So they come out beautiful, beautiful. And I can't pick which one I want to plant now. There's too many colors and varieties. Now, I'm looking forward to getting more in, like, we don't have limelights. And you have to have a limelight in your landscape because that, that loves full sun. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, you don't get the blues and the pinks because it's a different type of hydrangea, but it blooms all summer. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What's the little one? A little, little lime. lime. Yeah, yeah, little lime. I think I'm getting some of those. Oh, and then the ruby slippers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like an oak leaf, isn't mm-hmm. it? A small oak leaf. So I'm looking forward to that one. And um, I bet you have hydrangeas. I have a number of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. About. 15 or 20. Yeah, I'll say how many. (laughs) I just have to know how many. Okay, and then we were, I'll go back to the, oh, these glasses. I just don't like glasses. (laughs) Go back to our um, combination plantings, eggplant and spinach. Did I say that one? No. The eggplant will grow tall, providing some shade for the spinach. Furthermore, the dense growth of the spinach will help suppress weeds. So eggplant and spinach together. It's not really an insect thing. It's just more of a shading thing. The eggplant will grow tall, providing some shade for the spinach. But does our spinach have to have shade? I wouldn't think so. I know, because we and grow it, it be when it's cool. Out now anyway. Yeah. Eggplants are just coming in. This is like, that's, that's why you have to be so careful on what you read. Yes, because so many of these things are written by extremely good writers. Yeah, they absolutely. They gardeners. It makes, make, makes me even believe it. Yeah. But then when I start, I mean, there are some truths to some of this. Mm-hmm. That's true. But think, we're not growing eggplant and spinach at the same time. Not here. So for the Mid-South, <laughs> this doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's not as hard as you think. We're just reading for the wrong zone or the wrong place because we do have people come in looking for certain plants or they want to do something and you're going, well, where, where does this grow at? And they'll say California or Florida. Go, well, it's not that that's an article that's for that place, but for Memphis or mid South. No, 
Or, yeah, that's going to work three months out of the year. And then it'll get too cold and freeze it. And then it'll be warm the next month and it could have worked. And that's our up and down. Okay, we've got another call. If y'all followed any of that. You know, I just I did went I right know. past my head. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> I just keep going. Wait till I talk about something that doesn't matter and I keep going. All right, we got a call, don't we? <laughs> yes. David. Good morning, David. Thanks for calling us. Good morning. How are y'all? Fine. So, so, so y'all mentioned hydrangeas and I've got a problem. I can't get them to grow. I've tried three or four uh and I've got one that's still trying to grow, but usually they just kinda go away. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, what's the secret? Well, are you, know, you in Memphis? I am in Memphis, okay. uh, not that far from the station to be exact. And they get they get morning sun. I don't know if they require all day sun or no, no, no. That wouldn't it would morning be a sun, sun is thing. probably the worst place for them. Um, oh, okay, well, yeah, but, but they have, still grow great. But tech, grow, but they seldom yeah. bloom. Um, here's the issue: if you if, south of Memphis, you can grow them in full sunlight. Uh, north of Memphis, you can grow them in full sunlight. But here, because our soil thaws and freezes repeatedly, they tend to bud early in the season. And if we get a warm spell and those buds begin to swell, and then you get a frost on them, that morning sun will destroy the flower. So it's not a good place for the mop head type hydrangeas. Now, a deciduous tree there will cast enough shade to keep the ground cool enough that the buds may not swell. Uh, but you know, we've always told people here to plant them on the north side of the house. And that's just because that's the coldest ground and keeps that bud from swelling until later in the season. So yeah, if you just move them, I think you'll have much better luck. My problem is I can't get them much over the size of when I buy them. They're probably, uh, eight inches in, Mm -hmm. in diameter. Not, I mean, they're not even bigger than. Than, than what's come, coming out of the pot. Uh, are they, and you're buying these like outdoors. Sometimes people right. buy the floral hydrangeas indoors and, and don't get a lot of good look. It, it sounds like it may be a matter of, I might lift it back out and amend the yeah, soil. Soil preparation, yeah. I think, is, you know. This is um, a need, yeah. So if you don't have a place to move them, at least preparing your soil again, reworking it. That's definitely going to help um, get some good right. compost again, like the earth mix or the fox farm type. Mix that in real well. And some, and then moving, a lot of times moving because you changed your soil when you moved them. So anyway, we can go into that more a yeah, little bit. We'll come back after the top of the hour. We're going to we'll delve into this a little bit deeper yeah. here because this is a good topic. All right. All right. We'll be right back. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Welcome back to the second hour of Mid-South Gardening. You can stream us online anytime at kwamradio.com. Give us a call, 260-5926. We have questions from Bernice, and we have Steve on the line, but we wanted to finish up the topic of the hydrangeas. Yeah, you know... Hydrangeas, people here tend to plant them uh, in in too much sun, early morning sun. We were getting into that. Um, when the buds begin to swell, if they're showing any green at all, I mean, we're not talking about seeing the flower bud. We're just showing the, the leaves that are wrapping it. And we get a frost on it, it will destroy that flower bud inside there. And because of where we live, 
it's our ground freezes and thaws we get these warm spells in the spring and the plant thinks oh it's or during late winter and thinks it's springtime and its buds start to swell if you lived further north where the ground stays frozen or stays cold or further south where it's not cold at all you don't overlap with times of frost like we do here so this is a tough place to grow hydrangeas really uh, we've always told people put them in the shade or put them on the north side of the house because that's cold ground and that delays that bud swelling until later in the season. So most people that are unsuccessful with them um, or have, have them where they grow well and don't mm-hmm. bloom, it's a location issue. Now, if they're not growing well, then we've got a soil issue yeah. usually. Right. Uh, they don't like, they like moisture but not wet feet. So if the soil is loose and friable, uh, good organic matter in it, there's no reason why it shouldn't grow mm-hmm. well. Now, you do want to, you know, dig that hole really wide when you plant them and uh, loosen that soil, not deep. You just want to loosen it mm-hmm. wide. And it should do really well for you. If it's not yeah. growing, then I think we got a soil prep yeah. issue. And, you know, also if you buy something really root-bound and don't cut the roots or tease the roots out, to tell them to grow outward instead of continually in a circle, that can even stunt plants. Right. And and that could be a case, too. It's, it's like sometimes you find things on a really good price, and it's just because there may be more root-bound than normal, which means you need to do a little work to make it work. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely soil. Uh, check the roots. Make sure that they're not root-bound. And then I'm thinking um, if... I had to have some hydrangeas, but I didn't have a place on the north side. I would still plant them, but I would have to know that some years I may not get bloom. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, don't not plant one just because you can't get it in the perfect condition because hydrangeas are pretty forgiving. But if you guarantee, almost guarantee want to have blooms every year, then don't plant them in morning sun. Right. That's what you're saying. Because it does, you know, it's like a lot of people don't understand and it's confusing because they're like, okay, you're telling me to put some shade on this thing, but it grows in full sun. And I'm like, okay, again, we're in the Mid-South, so we have to, we have to finagle it. That's it. We have to finagle our planting sometimes. Okay, we had Bernice who called and she has a 10 feet, 10 foot tree. Can you say that for me? A 10 foot tall. No, it's the way you wrote it. Let me blame it on Alan. About 10 feet tall in a field behind her house. It grows small red fruit about the size of a strawberry. I told you, it is a mulberry. And they're so delicious, so start munching. And you'll have to start fighting people for them. But boy, you can tell. We have a mulberry tree at work on the other side. And you can tell when somebody went down to the bottom of the hill to take a break because they come back up and they have purple lips and mm-hmm. and the stains are on their hands where they've been pick, picking the mulberries off the mulberry tree. But I never, the whole time I've been here, Memphis, well, I'm from Memphis, but I was gone for a while, but I've never seen a mulberry tree making mulberries. And I've seen three this year. So I guess it's the, the variety of the, the, the area of Memphis I've been in this year versus the other times. They're great fruit, but they are tend to be messy. They are, but do yeah. do we sell those kind of mulberries? Because I've only seen them native. I don't know that I've ever seen them in a grocery store. 
Yeah, or the tree. Oh, I mean, yeah, we used to sell mulberry trees. But yeah. I want, so any mulberry tree is going to get mulberries. Well, yeah, but because, we have, you know, we have white mulberries, we have yeah. red mulberries, we also have a black mulberry. Mm. Uh, now it has nothing to do with the fruit. That has yeah. to do with the tree. Right, okay. right. <laughs> um, but the the downside of them is they fall on your car and they stain mm-hmm. everything. And birds love to eat them, and so they will yeah. give you some additional stains. This is true. And uh, so, oh, so if you've got a big area that doesn't matter what falls on it then a mulberry tree would be great because I am now in love with it and wanting to have one, but I don't think I want to deal with all those issues in a small yard. Yes. Okay, so that's your tree, Bernice, is a mulberry tree, so enjoy that. And let's see, let's go to Steve. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for calling us. Thank you all for being there. I have a question for that handsome uh, movie star. He's not here today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what can I do for you? Back years ago, who was the old dirt robber? Uh, what was Ot Roush. Yeah. Dirt Ot- Dauber, actually. He, he, dirt uh, Dauber, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a problem with ticks on our porch, on our patio. And he told me to spray. I can't remember now, Dacanel or Dursban. Dursban would have been the product then, yeah. And uh, I'm having a problem with uh, spiders this year. Oh, yeah. they're so nice! Spiders yeah. eat mosquitoes, and so now, <laughs> now we would use bifenthrin. Uh, Durspan's been off the market for homeowners for a number of years. You're gonna have to spell it for me. All right, it's uh, B I F E N T H R I N. Bifenthrin. Okay. But it'll you'll have to look on the active ingredients on the label because it doesn't come. Yeah, or just you yeah. know go to your garden center that knows what they're doing and and tell them what you want. But it has a, it has good residual, uh, and it will you know of course the spiders are not technically bad guys they're the good guys they're eating other insects. Um, that said, I don't want one crawling on me, you know. Right. So um, but yeah, they'll t- it'll take care of roaches, ants, crickets, everything, any type of home invading pest. You can do a barrier spray around your your uh, yard, spray around windows, spray around doors, spray your patio, brick walls. There are tra- a lot of insects are attracted to the heat on a brick wall. So spray that in up underneath the eaves of the house and and you should get uh, at least 90 days control usually. Okay, second question. I know you told me last week, but I didn't write it down. The privet hedge problem mm. with the, how do I kill the root? Um, if, if you're going to cut it, then I would use a brush killer, something like triclopyre, and just use it full strength right on the cut. Okay, well, we've got a lot to spray. Okay, yeah. if you're spraying foliage and there's nothing in there at all you want to save, then I would mix triclopyre with Roundup or glyphosate. Right. Now, okay. if there's stuff in there you want to save, then you're really your only option is to cut and treat the stumps. Okay. Tell Vita when she gets her TV show, she'll be the good-looking woman. Well, that's why we have her on the camera. We have one camera, so he gets to look at her. 
All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call. And I'd like to use the diatomaceous earth too. look into that for insect repellents. Too. And, and that's great in the house, too, because mm-hmm. it won't get wet and it'll last you a long time. That's a good point. I like to take it and just, you, if you put it on a piece of aluminum foil, you can slide it up underneath your refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, and it, it will, as long as it's wet, it's I'm not wet. It stays good. I'm a lazy gardener. I dump it, I powder it on the floor and sweep it on the refrigerator yeah. and I'm done. But we'll outside, you, it's not going to last terribly long time. Mm. If because just humidity will make it not work. Yeah, yeah. All righty. I think we're going to another break. We have Barbara. So hang on, Barbara. We will totally get back to you. Y'all can give us a call, 260-5926, or watch us on Facebook Live. The Mighty 990 KWAM and Mighty990.com. I'm back. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back. You're listening to the Mighty 990. Give us a call, 260-5926. Such beautiful music there. It's just It is. Okay, I like this music that you're picking, Alan. <laughs> okay, Barbara, good morning. Barbara, you're in the garden. Thanks for calling us. What's your question? Excuse me. I've got a question for Japanese Insada Iris. They are blooming now. But their blooms look wilted. They're not standing up real pretty. They just look weak and wilted. Nematodes, maybe? Messing up uh, the, the production of the plant nutrients. Um, water? Yeah, water. Do you have voles in the area? Have what? Voles? Voles? <clears throat> no, sir. It sounds okay. like something's <coughs> damaging the root system. Some kind of way, whether it's <clears throat> nematodes, voles, too much water. Yeah, when the buds are tight, um, do they look okay? No, yes, no, sir. okay. Then there's no browning. Probably not fungal. Then I would say that that it's a water issue. Now, what okay. may be causing that? Uh, it may just be drought, uh, or there may be something down there that's inhibiting the the uptake of water. Um. Yeah, maybe lift one out and see what the corm looks like. Are there holes in the corm or there's little root hairs on it still? A lot of times you can find out the root cause yeah. <laughs> by are, looking okay. at the root. <laughs> are they mulched? Uh, no, sir. Okay. okay. Well, that's that's good. good. That's good. And you know, I hadn't thought of this, but <clears throat> excuse me, last year I dug, I never dug the whole plant up. But I dug into some of them, you know, to repot one to give to someone. Yeah. Would that have affected it? Well, yeah. I just took my spade Maybe and cut if... down in there and cut off a section. Well, well I mean, this much time, I would yeah. not have think think so. Unless you covered it up too yeah. high with soil, if the soil level was higher than it was when you started. That could maybe cause a problem, at least causes them not to bloom. Yeah, if you had cut into it, you know, 30 days ago, then say, with the heat coming on, no. then yeah, possibly. But that long a time, I don't think so. Um, okay. Pick, pick, yeah. up, pick up your watering, you know, every third okay. day or so. Give them a good dose of, of water, and let's see if it will improve your flower. And call us back next week, and mm-hmm. let's see what happens, all right? Okay, and then I've got a couple other questions. Okay. One was I just dug some hyacinth bulbs up yesterday mm-hmm. to give to someone, 
Should I let them dry out or just give them to them now? Uh, you should, I'd just go ahead and give them to them. Let them put them right back in the ground. Okay. And should they cut off the top, the leaves? Yes, I would. Okay. And one more question. This is for Veda. Mm-hmm. At one time I called asking about who could cut or trim a lace leaf Japanese maple to have it yeah. more open. Right, yes. More of an oriental. And you had finally found the name of someone, and I don't think I got it. Do you still have the name? I think he's sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, was one. These bushes. Yeah, yeah, there's a number. It's to hard. cloud prune them, you really do need to have somebody that knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um. I know. Um, well, there was. I would call call Ryan Shields. Um, yeah, he's he raises Japanese maples. Uh, if if you're a member of our group, he's one of the members on Mid South Gardening uh, Facebook group, and you could just send him a message. Okay. All right. And I am a member. Okay. Well, thank y'all so much. You're welcome, okay. Barbara. Thank you. Thanks for calling. We just, she's just never gotten her maple pruned. Yeah, I wanted to, but I can't get there. probably the local expert on that would be great. varieties and stuff. That would be great. I hope that she can get somebody to do that. Uh, and then, you know, let's go to watering, actually, because that could totally be true about the iris, because we're dry now. We are. All of a sudden, we're dry. So you better be thinking, if you haven't watered your yard in a couple of days and you don't have irrigation or so, today's a day to water. Right. You know, particularly things if you're trying to grow fescue in the shade, mm-hmm. when you start getting 90-degree temperatures, it needs about two inches of water a week. And that's, you yeah. know, you got to let the sprinkler run twice a week for about an hour. Yeah, you really that do. that much down. And then if you're on a hill, you need to uh, run it lesser time more often. Right. Because your water just runs straight off the hill and never soaks in. So you just do a little bit at a time. Uh, annuals, anything new that you planted with small root balls, definitely right. water that. So all the roots are at the surface, and that dries quick it in this sure wind. Does. It really does. It does, faster than you can just even imagine. Uh, root stimulators, good for newly planted things. I like the Super Thrive root stimulator with the seaweed in it. Also, if you um, say if you had a row of plants and two or three died in that row and then you put new ones back in, you're going to have to water those new ones more times than the established ones because your established ones just think a lot of roots. So many times I've had people, you know, put in new plants and they fail and, and say, well, they didn't get, well, I have a sprinkler system mm-hmm. and that's a sure way to, to let them die. Yeah. Because they get... If you, if you figure, when you put in a new plant, figure the amount of surface space and all the roots are directly under that. Yeah. When you've yeah. got an established plant, it's got roots well beyond the surface, uh, the, the top of the plant. You only get about 13% as much water when you run on a new plant as you would get on an established plant. That's Say that not again. much. About 13%. percent hmm uh, uh, when you're watering on a new plant, it's yeah. only going to get because of the amount of surface area that you've got directly under. But was mm-hmm. that container? Oh, right, because it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you get very little water running your sprinkler for an hour, even mm-hmm. you know if it's on a uh, an irrigation system. So all new plants are going to need supplemental water. Yeah. They're just going to have to. Makes sense. Yeah, because um. When when you buy a plant and the root ball could be eight inches, ten inches tall, 
And you're at this point because the roots are all right there because they're growing in circles. Well, not really when they're just growing, but they can't be spread out as far as they need to be at that moment. So you're really concentrating on watering that little section right there. And that's much deeper than two inches. So you're trying to get all the way down to that. Uh, Let's go to Ms. Dale. Good morning, Ms. Dale. You're in the garden. What can we help you with? Yes, thank you for taking my call. I have four pots that are not really huge, but I don't want to really lose the soil. I planted some little primrose. What happened was the little primrose flowers that I planted had little tiny black bugs all in them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it until they started eating the leaves. And I want to know, is there any way I can save some of that save some of that potting soil or do I have to start all over? No, you can use it. Oh, yeah. okay. What yeah, there's a, if you go to any of your garden centers, they'll have a granular form of imidacloprid. It's, and it's one of the few things that'll control uh, fungus gnats in soils. It's very safe for mammals and that sort of thing. So uh, you just sprinkle the granules on there you know, after you've planted, water it through, and that's a done deal. Great, great. I really, is there any certain brand that I need to get? No, it just, you'll ask for a systemic granule. Uh, and sometimes when it's in a real small package, they'll label it houseplant granule, but you can buy a bigger one for <clears throat> and save a whole lot of money. And it's exactly the same thing. So just look for a systemic insect granule and it will take care of your issues. Thank you so much. Hey, great. thanks for calling us. Thanks morning. for the call. Yeah, you don't ever, really ever have to throw your soil out. You just amend it fix and it. then, in, yeah. yeah, fix it. And then in, in your case where, was it flea beetles maybe that she was talking about yeah, on the primrose, yeah. the little bitty black bugs. And um, yeah, but you don't ever have to throw your soil out. You could always amend it. I mean, you may have some real peat tight, hard soil, that peaty soil. Just add some compost with that. Mix that up real good. And it's, as you can kind of feel it actually when you get to a really good loose dirt. And you should also be able to smell your soil because it does smell good. Dirt smells good. Soil smells it's good. It's actually, yeah, soil, not dirt. Dirt's just sterile. And dirt not, is it, what one gets off the kitchen floor. That's right. And see, what makes the smell good, the sweetness, is all the microorganisms and the life in the, in the soil. And it's also good for you. You know, if you smell soil, you get actually your system gets beneficial bacteria in it that gives you serotonin feelings. It's for real. That's why there's happy gardeners. And it's not the weed that they're talking about. Mm. It's the microorganisms in the soil. It makes us happy. Obviously, it didn't have work for me. No, grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you had a face planted your soul this morning getting out of the house, you would be I'll, fit happy, I'll, I'll too. I'll go home and snort some dirt for you. All right. Thank you. Y'all try it and be happy all day. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> now, back to Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 and 107.9 FM KWAM. And welcome back to Mid-South Gardening right here on KWAM 990 AM and 107.9 FM. We appreciate you tuning in this morning. Give us a call. All right. We have David. Good morning, David. Thanks for calling us. You're in the garden. Good morning, Beta and Jim. How are y'all doing this morning? Doing well. Great. Great. Um, all right. So I planted pansies and violas, of course, in my yard in the mm-hmm. fall and 
always do. And around my trees in the front, um, and I've got about eight, eight flats in each one. Um, so they're, they're still pretty thick and thriving and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, then I'll replace them here shortly with some, uh, uh, summer color if they if i can find some flowers around town mm-hmm. yeah um anyway so um uh, the back side of one tree is dent uh, the the pansies just turned dingy um the foliage is kind of curling up a little bit uh they look like they had a kind of a light powdery substance on them and uh, i just can't figure it out well, it sounds like, does that side, you said, get a little more shade than the other side? You know, not really. Uh, it's, 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 I mean, it does get, mm-hmm. it, it's morning sun, um, and then, you know, about noon, it cuts off. But okay. the rest of the pansies, I have pansies behind that outlining the flower beds, uh, and they they are thriving, you know. So, yeah, so it sounds like a soil condition. Or in possibly that area. powdery mildew. Yeah, def- that's what I was thinking. But then if it's. Since it's confined to one area, that, to me, that sounds like what it is. It, mm-hmm. it was already there in your soil. Getting a little moist conditions in the cooler days just had a little um, outbreak of powdery mildew. But it's time. It oh, is, is that what it is? Powdery yeah, mildew? That's what I think. And I, But it's time I to didn't... yank them out anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I put worm castings, uh, Veda's favorite, back yeah. there, so mm-hmm. all in <laughs> that, there. So that'll definitely help for the plants that you're going to plant yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pansies are starting to kind of fade out, and and it's really strange because is it a different color than the others? I have I've actually seen these some pansies that are planted next to each other, but only this color gets the powdery mildew look, and the other color looks good. Uh. uh Yes and no, because the other side, I have uh, yellow on the back, yellow and white mix on the back side of my trees, and then I have the uh, like a purple and and uh, white on Beautiful. the front. And uh, thank you. And so uh, it's, it's, and I have it separated because they're such big trees that I have, um, you know, they, my, the, the grade goes down. Um, you know, from north to south, and so I have a kind of like a uh, some some stones on the on the wheat on the right side of it. So when the rain really pours in there, it doesn't wash out a lot of soil and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's powdery mildew too as well. Now that you said that, yeah, and then so... I have one other quick question. Sure. Okay, so uh, I have Nellie R. Stevens. Uh, in my backyard, I planted those and some Mary Nails. I planted six, five, and five on each side of the the, the stone separation here. Um, you know, and now it, they're both up to like 15 feet tall. Um, however, when that uh, that scale hit the Craig Myrtles, what? How many years ago was that? Mm, eight to ten or so when it really started. Yeah, actually, about two years after that, uh, and I, I feed them with hollytone every year. And um, but I noticed one on the right, uh, on the end started losing its foliage and turning yellow, and it buried up 
you know, I started seeing berries come on it. And so uh, I went ahead and put some drench on it, bought some drench and put that on it, all of them, kind of a preventative thing. And then, uh, but I lost it. And so then uh, the next one to it, I thought, well, I got that drench in there. It's not going to get the rest of them. And it got the next one. And then it jumped on the opposite side on the Nellie R. Stevens and got one of those, started on the end. And then it it seems like they start on the end. Mm-hmm. So weird, instead of getting, you know, the ones in the middle. And it's moving so its way. Yeah, I've <clears throat> lost a total of four, two Nellie R.'s and two Mary Nell's. Oh, okay. And they're 15 feet long, so now I've got to go buy some more and put them in. My gut feeling uh, is it's not the scale, though. I think you got voles down there chewing yeah. on the roots. That's what I think, yeah. Jim. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I even talked to Kenneth about it in the store. Um, that's how do I get rid of those voles? Oh boy. Yeah, well, that, that can be a chip. I've had I've had good luck with with moles, and of course, I have neighbor has cats, so they help control the voles, but. If you'll use the liquid uh, castor bean oil, Mole Max or uh, Mole Go, you can you can get it from Kenna, um, and spray it about every three to four weeks. You'll flush them out of there, uh, it, and it does a pretty good job. Okay. Yeah, that so would be the best. And then you could also add uh, some good root stimulator around to maybe recover some of the roots that the uh, voles or moles are mm-hmm. disturbing as well, just for a little extra help. But I'm a, I think so, too. I really think it's a yeah. molar bowl issue, a bowl issue. Okay. All right. Good to know. All righty. Right. Good luck to you, my friend. Thanks for the call, David. Yeah, because when we're talking about, first, it's two different types of shrubs, but they're both doing the same thing, which and, sounds yeah, like. When you see them start on the end like that, and particularly with things like scale, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to have T-scale on them, and it is not they would live forever and get really ugly before they died yeah. uh, from T-scale. Yeah. Uh, so it's usually the scale is there because they're being stressed mm-hmm. and the scale is moving in. And I think they've just chewed enough roots off of it that it can't support yeah. itself. That, so. Yeah, the moles would have to chew pretty good to get a lot of those roots yeah. on those hollies because hardly anything kills a holly. But if you mess the roots up, it's gone. Yep. We got a couple of questions that came across uh, we want to talk, talk about quickly. One of them we'll, we'll do uh, probably after the break and maybe get it to him. First one was spider mites on tomato plants. Um, well, probably the easiest thing to do is just, without blasting it apart, is just use your water hose and fairly forcefully wash the thing down on a regular basis. Go out there every two or three days and just, you know, forcefully spray it down, and it will knock most of the mites off, and you don't have to spray. Um there aren't a lot of really good mite killers anymore. Most of the true mite miticides that we had, like Vindex and Kelthane, are not on the market anymore. So permethrin will do a fair job. Malathion is a good one, but it doesn't oh. last very long, and it smells like a dead cat. <laughs> but it will, it does actually kill some mites. Uh, but, yeah, if you just use the water hose, that yeah. usually will take care of your issue. And then spider mites like things that get dry also. Yes, yeah, right. So no. maybe bump up the watering a little bit. Good fertilization, worm castings, um, the uh, fox farm fertilizers are good. The Monty's 
plant foods. Mm-hmm. They used to be called Monty's Joy Juice. Right. I still want to say that, but it's Monty's plant foods are good. Uh, Fox Farm liquid fertilizers are really good. You can add like garden tone or plant tone, anything in there to make your soil hold moisture longer and to provide nutrients to help the plant recover from the stress. And she, and she had another question, and you just kind of touched on it too, about uh, a, a fig in a container that she's mm-hmm. wanting to get to produce fruit. Well, the first thing, of course, is make sure it's in a big enough container. If you're trying to grow a, a three-foot fig tree in a three-gallon pot, it's probably not ever going to produce you much fruit. So, I mean, we need to get it up into something like a 10 or 15 gallon pot if you're going to actually get much fruit production out of it. And then, like uh, Veda was saying, use a good fertilizer like the the, uh, Monty's type products. Mm -hmm. Those are great in containers. Stay away from miracle Grow. Don't use any kind of like water-soluble fertilizer like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Osmocote would be okay. Um, now rem- remember though that you have figs that produce on first year wood and you have figs that produce on second year wood. So if it's a brown turkey, you can cut it to the ground each year and you'll have a crop of figs every single year. But if it's something, um, like a Celeste or LSU purple, mm-hmm. uh, those you're going to have to not prune them. You're going to have to let it get taller so that you'll have fruit on it. So did you say LSU purple? Yeah, there's an LSU purple. There's an LSU gold. That's for Louisiana State University, yes, right? Yes, they were developed neat. by LSU, uh, okay. and uh, they're wonderful, wonderful figs. But mm-hmm. they are uh, they are a second year producer. So, uh, so if yeah. you weren't getting it, if you've got an LSU, you wouldn't, and you planted it last year, you would not get fruit. You wouldn't this get year. any fruit off of it. But yeah. then the second year you will. Mm-hmm. But does that? And then it continues. Happens like that? Yes. It just oh. doesn't produce fruit on the first year wood. Wow. Like um, like brown turkey does. Did not does. know that at all. Yeah. So and pruning would then mess the one up That's for the right. second year. But right. the brown turkey. You actually can, can increase your pop, your fruit production by shearing it off at the ground every year because uh, you get lots of shoots and they'll put on a late crop. Oh, I want to stick with the brown turkey because that's easy. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break here. We will be right back. You are listening to Mid-South Gardening right here on KWAM. The Mighty 990, 107.9 FM, 990 AM, KWAM. Good morning and welcome back. You've been listening to Veda and Jim on the Mighty 990. You can stream us online anytime at kwamradio.com. We also have a podcast that you can check out and listen to. Works real well. And if you're not a member, please uh, look at our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening, Gardening in USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8, uh, where you can brag, you can show pictures of what you're doing. Uh, because actually it gets people thinking about things when you just, you know, just put a picture of something you're growing well. Uh, and then let people comment on it. It's uh, a lot if, of fun. Or if you've got a problem, you know, we can address those too. So we got lots of good gardeners on there. In fact, we're uh, about 100 people shy of 6,000 members now. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it. I love your page. Thank you for doing that because, you know, you never thought that gardening would lead you into sitting in a recliner posting all your knowledge I know. out to but for I everyone. I do that very well. Yes, I have mastered. So you are doing. You have yeah. become a master. Some people are couch potatoes. Gardener. I yeah. am a recliner liner. Recli- <laughs> recliner liner. Yeah. I like that. Like the coconut liners that yeah. go on hanging baskets. Right. Recliner liner. 
Um, you know, is um anything going on? Like, is uh, Botanic Garden having anything? The Master Gardeners? I think we've. I think it's pretty much over now. We do have the uh, June fifth. You got coming up the Master Gardeners uh, Garden Gate through our Garden Gates tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go online and check that. It's uh, it's free. You know, and you just get to look at at uh, a number of really good gardeners uh, oh, yeah. scattered around. I think some of them are in Bartlett. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not seen the list, but uh, you can go to the uh, Master Gardener's website and uh, you can take advantage of that. Oh, that'll be a good time. I know the mass, the uh, Cooper Young Garden Walk was last weekend. I think it was pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it's gla- it's great to be able to get out and start doing all this again yes, as it well. Is. And, and, and in some places, no, you don't have to wear a mask. I know it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So especially because when we're outside, I just can't breathe. And then I'm running across the parking lot to go run in and tell somebody a question, answer somebody's question. I have a mask on about to pass out trying to breathe and tell them (laughs) the question. So this is all good. And what else should we be doing? It's, you know, people are just now getting their pansies out. Yeah. You know, I've taken a few out, but some of them are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I've taken a few of the dwarf snapdragons out, but most Mm. of the tall ones still look pretty good. Yeah. Um, So you can plant angelonia in place of your snapdragons. Yep. But you know, some snapdragons come back year after year. And I'm going to, on the large ones, I'm going to try to see how well they, because they're Mm. all in these new raised beds that I built over the, you know, last Mm -hmm. year. So I'm anxious to see how well they do. Gosh, because those snot dragons you had, Kenneth, I can't see, Jim. The the, um, uh, dahlias, I now have five of the six that I planted last year have returned. Of the dahlias. Of the dahlias, After the one degree weather. Right. And, you know, when I got one to come up, I thought, wow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I would be thinking that too. Yeah, but six of them are are coming up. Some of them just breaking the ground, but they are coming up. You know. It's so. we are so proud of our couple of dahlias that we can get to grow in Memphis. Mm-hmm. But like one time when I was in California at the Botanic Garden and there was pastures of dahlias mm-hmm. of so many varieties that made me think, well, I didn't really accomplish that much <laughs> with my one dahlia growing oh, yes, in Memphis. <laughs> yes, it's a, it becomes a quest, and it's, it does. Uh, yeah, you know, even if you grow one flower well. This is true That's because important. it's an, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have a plant to take care of, you need to get one. It's almost like, you know, if you don't have a cat, you need to have a cat just for company. <laughs> My neighbors have cats. That's, that's what, that's what. That works enough for you. Oh, let's go to Jamie. Good morning, Jamie. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. Hey, my friend. Y'all just uh, mentioned something that's very important to everybody and especially the Master Gardeners, uh, through our garden gates. That's something that, uh, you know, if you want to see how we do things, or not necessarily myself, <laughs> but uh, the other gardeners in this city do things, they, they it's a really nice tour that they do. And uh, I know Debbie, Debbie Grace Evans is going to be one, one of the, uh, one of the homes you'll get to visit. So anyway, and like I said, it's free. You can do the donation if you want to, but you don't have to. So yeah. it's a, it's a really good event. Yeah, and you got still got the uh, tomato contest coming up too, right? Oh yes, sir. That's the seventeenth of July, so we're we're preparing for that. So, yeah. But anyway, if you get a chance, go by and go by and through the, our garden gates because I think you'll really enjoy that and yeah. make you go home and want to dig your yard up. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Jamie. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for the Take call. Take care, Jamie. 
oh, yeah, it's time to rearrange your garden. Yeah. After you go to those types of tours, oh, my word, your your mind is like. I, I finally, about 10 days ago, got rid of that pile of soil that's been in my driveway forever. Really? Got it all spread out, and I, I built a, a, a nice place. Uh, my dogs have a, had a little bit of grassy area there, mm-hmm. but their urine just would kill off the grass. Yeah. And so it was always kind of wet and damp, and they don't like to get on that. You right. Know, they, Get their little paws so, uh, all dirty. I, I, built, uh, I built it up with about three inches of soil, put mulch on top of it. It's lined mm-hmm. with rock, um, so I, which I affectionately call now the poop deck. Oh, and, there you go. <laughs> so, that works. Yeah. And, uh, and so that they have a nice place now to go to the bathroom. You know why there's the phrase poop deck? I do. It happens to be the roof of the captain's on the on the rear of the deck, right. on the rear of the boat. Yeah, you know, where my dad and my son were sailors. Ah, yeah. so that's how you know. Yeah. Well, at least you put it more eloquently than I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> so that worked. That worked out nicely. Um, so let's see. What else should we be doing? We wanted y'all to check your watering. Definitely make sure your, all your things need watering. Water um, thoroughly. Deeply, deeply and yeah. infrequently right yes definitely that that's one of the just do that you mm-hmm. know if you just do that if the soil's wet don't water but i know also if you have things that uh where your ground just looks flat and sterile and dry um kind of chop that soil up a little bit and add some organic matter some compost bulk compost and all of that jim we got a minute it's words of wisdom from jim stay out of the heat Okay, it's going to be hot, you know, get a few hours work done in the morning, wear sunscreen, um, wear a hat. Mm-hmm. Drink plenty of water, yes. all that, mm-hmm. because it's going to sneak up on you, just like the heat does, it's going to sneak up on you. So make sure you're watering, definitely uh, visit your independent garden center, see what they've got Absolutely. out in there. Um, usually a lot of times we used to think uh, inventory and everything was done by the end of May, but this is a different kind of year. We're still getting some stuff in. We haven't been able to get in all season. So y'all don't give up. Try Saw again. Saw some beautiful perennials in some, gar- in some garden centers this week, you know. So a lot, lot, enough, lot of nice, fresh stuff out there. Awesome. If y'all want to hear this again, listen to our podcast, and we will see you next weekend in the Mid-South Garden. Bye.